Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sebastian Wagner from Flow Republic, who are our podcast sponsors. Sebastian came on the podcast to actually interview me. I couldn't help but resist and ask a few of my own questions. So we had quite a fluid discussion around a a range of different topics from Salesforce certifications to salaries, junior job seekers, office space, really uh, a real deep dive on on some trends in the market at the moment. And uh, we both shared our views on what we're seeing and uh, how we feel about some of the things that are taking shape. So I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going well. Is this the first time you've ever hosted a podcast? (laughs) Most certainly. It's the first time I'm hosting a podcast. I've done a couple of talks, but it's interesting to turn the tables. How does it feel to be on the receiving side of questions? Usually it feels okay when I do these, but with you, I never know what you're going to ask. I think you could throw a few curveballs at me. So yeah, I'm a bit nervous. Don't you worry, this is not a QA session that I do with my (laughs) students. (laughs) So I think I have a couple of questions that are coming up in my own mind. And I think those are also questions that other people might have. So for me, one of the, the biggest questions is how do you, as someone working in recruitment, see the evolution and the change in the Salesforce ecosystem taking place? Oh, it's a big question. Um, there's some some really great things that I see that are happening, and and some some things that frustrate me a little bit. You know, I mean, for the let's cover the good things first. I think you know what's been amazing for me to see through the challenges of COVID and things like that is how adaptable the Salesforce platform is, and uh, the amount of use cases that companies have been able to utilize Salesforce for. And realistically, like I've been very fortunate in my work because it's been really busy for us through COVID. We had a couple of quiet months, but on the whole, we've been as busy as ever and, and if not busier than, than most months. So that's been great to see the, the continued use of the platform. The scale of the platform just continues to evolve. Some of the things that, that mm-hmm. I'm a little bit frustrated by are the lack of opportunities for, for junior people. And this is something mm-hmm. I, I talk about a lot, but you know, I think there's there's a lot of senior people in the market now and, and people are aspiring mm-hmm. to be certified technical architects and uh, going on that journey. But there's also a lot of people that are mm-hmm. trying to get a hold in the market and uh, don't yeah. get necessarily the amount of opportunities that I'd like to see them given. Yeah. Let's actually continue talking a little bit about newer people joining the ecosystem. And I think we all have seen the number Salesforce is projecting with like a couple of million new jobs coming up in the next three to four years. So how do you see this working out? I mean, we're running somewhat in a shortage. Well, I mean, yes, I guess if we follow those stats, I guess we will have a shortage, but that isn't how I see it playing out right now. And and all I can mm-hmm. comment on is what's right in front of us, right? So I've probably placed under five people without Salesforce experience in my career, as in people that hadn't ever worked in a paid Salesforce role before. Um, I've probably placed mm-hmm. less than five. I'd probably say I could probably guess like three in six mm-hmm. years in Salesforce recruitment. Yeah. And that tells me that there isn't there isn't enough opportunity for junior people. And I think re- realistically, companies don't come to me and say we want a junior. Like they will try to find that person yeah. themselves. But yeah. I, I I read these stats all the time. But that's not how I see it playing out. I think yes, there might be um, a shortage of people mm-hmm. at, at at more senior levels or for experience. 
but like I could find five people tomorrow that want a job in Salesforce and could start like the next day. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think the the stats that we see probably are a little out of uh, alignment with the realities of the market right now. Yeah. Okay. So if it was a company interested to hire some more junior people, what are the things that I would be looking for or what would you suggest to focus on instead of badges or certifications maybe? Yeah, I think attitude, right? And um, enthusiasm. Like, so if I look at the mm. people that have been successful in, um, in like securing a junior role, it's always their attitude yeah. is the first thing that strikes me. It's just this hunger and thirst for learning. But, but also yeah. if, I, if I talk about like the architects that I, I've worked with, they also have that hunger and thirst for learning, but you know, they don't need to yeah. demonstrate their attitude and their, they, they, they don't need to um, come across it with that enthusiasm that a junior does because an, an enthusiasm, that's all yeah. they've got to go off of. But yeah, if I think yeah. about the people that I have helped find jobs, they've stood out because you can tell how much they want a job in Salesforce and you can tell that they're willing yeah. to, to go out of their comfort zone to get it. And I think they they follow, like, I, I'll give them instructions, like if you blog or if you document your your learning journey and promote yourself online, like you'll get better results than if you don't. And the ones that do that, mm-hmm. they get results and they're, they're enthusiastic and they just have this energy that it makes them like seem like they'd be good people to work with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really important. Like if you haven't got experience, then all you've got to demonstrate is your attitude and your hunger. So for me, yeah, that that's what really makes people stand out. Well. Your words make me nostalgic thinking about 2012 when I kind of started moving into the professional space in Salesforce. You know, um, there wasn't Trilhead around. There was It was a very small ecosystem, so to say. And, and I was fortunate enough to work for a company with a lot of people that, that kind of had worked under the shadows so far in the Salesforce ecosystem, maybe on the client side, and we were hungry. Yeah, I think attitude, what you're saying, is, is certainly something to watch out for. So what, what does it take on this obsession of people being like 20 times certified and so on? Like, I, I certainly have my own very strong opinion, but I would be curious about yours. Um, was, I, got, I got asked this question on the architect event we did recently with Johan yeah. and, and those guys. Mm-hmm. And I think like certifications to a point are valuable, mm-hmm. as in like, yes, if you're starting to look for a career in Salesforce, get your admin certification because it, if you don't have it, it can be like a, a barrier to entry if you don't have it because some mm-hmm. companies will be like, well, they're not even certified. Like, how serious yeah. are they about their job? But then, like, to have 20 or 30, I don't know, what's, what's the maximum now anyone's got? Stop counting. Yeah, well, that's it, right? So I, I think that doesn't prove that you have um, the the most experience in the Salesforce ecosystem just by having 30 certifications or 20. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that that you can't really go really super deep on all of those topics, surely. You all know yeah. better than me, but you can't be an expert in CPQ and marketing cloud as well as, you know, field service lightning. So just by having those certifications doesn't make you an expert. And that's what I would always encourage clients to realize, like it's not so much about what people have studied it's about yeah. what they've delivered and, and actually how deep they can go in those different topics for yeah. the, the role that you require. The certified technical architect is obviously different. Like, like I would always encourage someone to go down that path if it's what they want to do. And obviously yeah. you have to tick certain certification checkboxes to get there. So so yeah, yeah. I think really my, my advice to anyone looking at certifications is to understand well, why are you doing them? Is it just a, um, a marketability thing? Like are you expecting the more search you have to be the more opportunities you get? Or is it because you, you you love learning and you just you, you, you want to study different things and invest your time? Then 
then go and do it because there's no yeah. reason not to. But yeah, in my opinion, it doesn't replace experience. What's your view? To be honest, I think there is there is value in those certifications, as you say. And if someone wants to specialize in a certain aspect of the platform, it makes sense. For a developer coming up with a marketing cloud certification, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and I would question that person, like, why why do you bother in the first place? Why don't you go and, and read some design pattern books or something that helps you really improving your craft and, and, and continue on your mastery path? rather than just having something to show for you know when you first got into salesforce did you do that like did you were you a certifications guy or did that kind of only evolve when you saw the cta as a part so here's the thing you know when when working on the client side back in the days like there was not really a need especially since i was the um the crm lead for the small company i was working for so there was no pressure and Given the shortage in the market back in 2012, the company I got hired by Tequila, they didn't really care about my certifications because I did the interview with them and I was asked to um, to do some coding tests and so on. So that was sufficient enough to pass. Uh, and then I think four months into the job, I was like, you know what? We have certification vouchers. Why don't we just do them? So I got like all six back in the days in like 12 days. Yeah. Um, but that also says something about the um, the accuracy of a multiple choice test. You know, <laughs> again, I have very strong opinions on certifications, so to say, but they're necessary when it comes to proving it. Yeah, like I have my Salesforce admin certification, right? And yeah. I, I tried, I've tried twice now to get my app builder, and I failed twice. Yeah. And for me to ever get the app builder, I, I have two options: I either cheat. Mm-hmm. or I actually really study and and really try and knuckle yeah. down and learn. And I'm never going to cheat, right? So actually to get that certification, I'm going to have to invest time and yeah. studying. And because I, th- there are certain concepts in those questions that unless you've done yeah. it before, you just you don't know the answer, like you're just guessing. Yeah. So, so in that case, I think that's a really good way to go after a certification because yeah. it's actually going to teach me a lot to get it. But if it's on, like, if it's something like uh, it's on the periphery, like, oh, it's I've done sales cloud and service cloud, and you know, now I've just I've, I've heard a little bit about this, so I'm going to give it a go, and I I pass just because you know I've I've done it before. Like, you you don't have to study for it, so go and get it right. But it's it's the people that that go down the path of stumps and things that really invalidates the mm-hmm. whole market, and and you know that that's the the biggest problem with it, but. Um, yeah, I think if, if you can just pass them and you like you pass yeah. six, right? So you had foundational knowledge on all of those areas, otherwise you yeah. wouldn't pass. That then again, like no harm in having them, but or yeah. go for something that you actually really need to study and need to learn about because then you are picking up good knowledge. But yeah, it's the it's the it's the other the the other camp that really let everyone down. I think the ones that are just rushed to yeah. to just crave the glory of um, being able to yeah. post about certification without learning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And- the sad truth for for me is really when I when I have people coming into the CTA program um, that I coach, you know, they all need to have system and application architect certifications, and then as soon as you start drilling down into the nitty gritty details of what the certifications should in fact cover, they very often fall short to apply that knowledge, you know, because they've they've learned it on a theoretical level without necessarily reflecting about it and being able to translate that knowledge into into a solution or apply that you know yeah yeah that's that's so true i guess that's pretty much how i've been when i've studied like for the the app builder mm-hmm. i i couldn't really explain it to anyone 
but I think I know because I'm yeah. passing certain like trial questions on online. But it's just yeah. kind of repetitive, right? Because I'm I'm reading and I, and then the question comes up and I'm like, oh yeah, that word looks right, but there's no like depth yeah. to my knowledge. So yeah, that must yeah. be frustrating yeah. for you. It's okay. I, I think it's a necessary learning exercise for my guys to to realize. Oh, so this is a this is a totally different beast. But you mentioned, oh, I, I can recognize it. I remember the words, but I can't necessarily explain it. So what I, what I teach my guys is the Feynman technique. Have you heard about Richard Feynman, the physicist? He's, he's a crazy guy. You have to look him up. He's amazing. Was a Nobel, uh, Nobel Prize winner, a lot of it in physics. Was a bongo player, pickup artist, like amazing guy. <laughs> but he, he coined the technique called Feynman technique, which is pretty much like take a topic and try to explain it in the most simple terms. Whenever you're using a particular piece of terminology that is ingrained into the topic. So if you were to say, oh, I'm going to use the request and response pattern with an asynchronous Apex callout, you know, you would have to take apart Apex, you would have to take apart asynchronous and also explain those topics. So once you're able to explain those in the most simplest terms, you know, that's when you really know the topic. Yeah, it's so true. It's funny because I I've been looking at Twitter a lot recently, and um, mm -hmm. and there, a lot of people on Twitter say things like, "Explain it to me like I'm a five year old." Yeah. Uh, and and like people, uh, it's a lot of it I'm seeing is about cryptocurrency. So um, obviously yeah. everyone's talking about cryptocurrency now, right? Because everyone's yeah. just crazy amounts of money being made and lost. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but so few of the people that talk about it can actually answer that question or explain explain yeah. what this coin does to me um, like I'm a five-year-old and, and people can't do it. Yeah, I and think neither the founders can. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you asked me a question about, um, you know, anything on the App Builder certification, I couldn't explain it to you like mm -hmm. you're a five-year-old. I think the the there's also a little bit of a flaw in the statement. Hey, explain it to a five year old because as a five year old you have like different uh, different concepts and a different level of understanding of a topic. So I, I wouldn't even know how to explain Salesforce to a five year old. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. So um, we spoke about certifications. We spoke about the the shift in the market. So what I'm actually curious about is what is your perception of the increase of CTAs in the market? Is it a good thing? Is it is it concerning? Oh, it's like I think it's amazing because for me it's like so great to see people achieving their goals and and mm -hmm. like that's like it's I don't think you ever see a prouder moment from a Salesforce professional online than when you know they they are able to post yep. on LinkedIn and Twitter about achieving that goal. And I think you know the market needs more good architects, and and, and yeah. the more that we have, the more success projects and companies and and the whole ecosystem will have. Yeah. And and I know you've made a point on some of my posts in the past, like CTA isn't a job title, and also there's very many really really good architects in the market that haven't gone down the CTA path. Yeah. So I think it's it's an, a huge achievement, but it's not again, it's not the the be all and end all in terms of can you be a great architect yeah. without being a CTA. Yes, absolutely, yep. you can. I think like for me, I have noticed that there are more and more popping up, especially in Australia, where we uh, and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Well, more so Australia. We haven't had any new ones in New Zealand recently, I, I think. But yeah, I think um, it's interesting because we are still a relatively small market here in terms of numbers, but we massively punch above our weight from a, a number of CTA angle. But there's yep. still lots. There's lots of opportunity for them around, and I think it's 
it's been interesting to see that evolution because I think obviously your business has played a big role in in the the number of CTAs. Like how many now is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got eighteen, and I have one more guy sitting on Wednesday, so potentially nineteen by the time this goes public. Yeah. Wow. So so yeah. I mean, um, eighteen, and uh, like in in the world, they're, they're, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah, I think mm, I think probably five hundred at the moment. Five hundred. Wow. So yeah, I mean, like that, that's increased. Mm significantly maybe a little bit under 500 yeah because i I used to quote 300 so 500 obviously is a huge jump but i think a lot of companies have realized that they need to start helping people on that journey Mm -hmm. and and with that goal to attract people so that's been a real shift i think you know all of the partners now are looking to put in place these um cta programs or academies i i think you'd struggle to find a partner that isn't looking to do that and and that's yeah. not just the big, uh, as you know, it's not just the big um, top tier partners, yeah. kind of everyone. We're seeing small, like, you know, um, Yanis's company, right? Small companies yeah. with a CTA. You've got Maverick here, relatively small. They've got um, yeah. two CTAs. You've yeah. got Cloudworks here and they've got a CTA. So it's not about being a huge company now. I think you can be a smaller business and still attract CTAs. Yeah. And then that helps with your retention of, of other staff and, and your... Yeah attraction to other stuff but that's a question i had for you actually is um you know everyone's looking to put in place these cta academies mm-hmm. can that actually be done if you you don't have a cta like if you what what's the what's the kind of core requirements to be able to put together a, and establish a, a successful cta academy for a partner yeah. okay so i think we we need to take the question apart because if you if you think about Becoming a CTA, there are different elements to it. The review board being one of them. And the, the way I like to put it with, with my guys is my job is to help you excel in your role. And as a result, you have better chances and a high likelihood of passing the exam. Okay. I think as a partner, even as a smaller partner, you can most certainly help you guys um, excelling in their role, becoming a better architect. And that doesn't necessarily require having a CTA on staff who can actually run the show. But when it comes to the specifics of the exam, I think it is not necessarily absolutely essential, but I I think having a CTA to really guide the individual, this is what the process looks like. Those are the specific expectations. Makes certainly different, you know, and there are study groups out there. There are some people mentoring. I do the coaching program. So there's an opportunity also for companies if they don't have a CTA to run the internal academy efforts um, entirely, at least to kind of initiate the progress and take people on a journey, getting them as far as they can, potentially sending them to the board and then kind of getting the results and refining or seeking outside help. But I, I said I said this before, you know, like trying to explain to someone the board if you've never said it yourself, regardless if you have passed or failed, you know, it's like as a blind man trying to explain the color red. Yeah, yeah. So, you have an idea of the concept, but you never, you're never really getting close to it, except if you were obviously blinded at some point after, uh, yeah, after yeah. having been around for a while. Sure. So, um, what about then, like people? Because we're seeing a lot of people. I think Johan and his crew released. Really uh, maybe they didn't start it, but they they really um, they nailed the whole like buddy system, right? They they took mm-hmm. it to the next level. So you had Jakob, Johan, uh, Bibu. Like these guys, every single morning did a mock mm-hmm. review. Mm-hmm. Like they they the took fabulous it to the next... four. Yeah, I don't know who who was the fourth. Uh, I don't know who the fourth was. 
but but yeah, I, maybe we shouldn't say the fourth because I don't know if uh, if that's uh, I've I've just outed them all as being in the four. I don't know who the fourth was, but but yeah, other people are now looking to do that, right? So people I know are getting mm-hmm. in pairs, and and but if they haven't done, if they've never sat a review board, and they mm-hmm. don't have someone like you, or they, they've not got that kind of knowledge around actually what is a, a yeah. realistic scenario, uh, where do you reckon they they can find that kind of information? Is there stuff out there? I mean, there are plenty of resources out there where you can kind of look up how it works. So using the architect trialhead community is certainly a starting point because it, it includes like a scoring card. It's certainly not as detailed as the scoring cards the judges are using for the exam, but that's that's a good starting point. Um, you have Andrew Hart from Own Backup now publishing a monthly scenario on CTA202.com. Which, by the way, is a fabulous name. I should have actually gotten this domain before, but uh, he caught me there now. So definitely check out CTA202.com uh, for fresh scenarios. There are recordings on YouTube out there. We are actually going to start doing some commentary on, on YouTube. So me getting together with another CTA and really discussing the scenarios that are flowing out there to kind of share our thought process, what are the things that come to mind? Because I think that what happens very often with someone processing those scenarios, they get overwhelmed by the amount of information and they haven't really refined the thought process yet. You know, it. the thing about the CTA exam itself is the scenarios are very big, very complex and artificial in a sense, you never get a fully fleshed out business case with like 10 pages that you have to solve in three hours. You know. So you need to have a very clear thought process of how you're tackling that. And that's something that requires experience, expertise, and, and practice over time. So we kind of want to make this accessible. There are study groups out there. So even if you're like, if you're budding up with, with someone else, it makes sense to join a wider study group to get the necessary exposure and definitely reach out to a CTA to work with you. you know? And it's not necessarily going to be me. You, you can reach out to a lot of them. Uh, we are also very busy, <laughs> so to say, as a CTA, it's not that you that you have halved it very free, but they can certainly also bring the challenge to the table. You know, when when I do QAs with my guys, they're like, oh "My God, hey, you are, you're asking us the nastiest questions because I I kind of drill down and I go like two or three levels deeper to to push them into the right direction. Something that that is not necessarily happening in the beginning when you when you're teaming up with someone else because they they want to be nice, they don't really want to give you the nasty questions, but that's exactly what you need. You know? And as for, oh, they're meeting up every morning at 7 a.m. Yeah, I mean, we had last week, or like in the last month, five CTS passing, you know, the exam, like everyone that, that said the exam passed. But the reason why all of them passed is because they have done the work. You're not going to become a CTA, but just sitting around and, and crossing your fingers, you have to show up every freaking day uh, maybe not sundays yeah uh, sunday should be family day but it's it's about determination and commitment as as it is with everything that's worth in life you know is that what they did so the, the five that passed recently they were part of like a, a core like that well they were the five that were going through at that period of time but they were collaborating outside of the core sessions with you yeah, yeah absolutely i mean like that's uh, that's a concept that we started so when you start with us you you're part of a cohort and within that cohort you get accountability partners assigned but since we have a slack community we also encourage people to kind of team up outside of the code outside of their accountability partnership so that's kind of how those four came together you know and, and the recently past five um they've also collaborated because they've been part of different cohorts yeah. so collaboration is key to to the success 
Yeah, yeah, because we, we speak to people about the commitment it takes away from your family as well. And um, do, you, do you ever find anyone that maybe comes through the course and, and just doesn't put the effort in? Yeah, plenty. Really? It, it's, it's really, yeah, I'm not kidding you because I think people are, they just don't comprehend the challenge that is ahead and what's the starting point. I'm trying to set a realistic scene, you know, but yeah, some people are just not putting in the effort trying to rush through and they are somewhat oblivious to, <laughs> to clear messages. On the other hand, you also have sometimes people that, that start the process, you know, maybe with me or maybe on their own, and they get dragged into critical projects. They have like family situations they need to attend to, especially we see that now with our Indian colleagues and, and really the, the disaster of, of COVID in, in India. I mean, like, that's fair enough, you know, trying to, to prepare and study while caring for your family in, that, in those times is certainly a challenge and absolutely understandable to, to put it on hold. Sure. Um, and some people just go back to the drawing board and it's like, okay, I need to revise my plan uh, because I've realized the, the gap that I have. So I need to probably put more time in than, than necessary. And I think that's, a, that's important for, for everybody to acknowledge it that your career is not necessarily something that you can just sprint through, you know, like, oh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do a trial. No, that's not career progression. Career progression takes time to reflect, to plan, to execute. And sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it takes less time. So the value of something is not determined by how quickly you achieve it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, that's a good message. Yeah. This episode of Talent Hub Talk is sponsored by our friends from Flow Republic. Flow Republic is a Salesforce Architect Academy that works with individuals and businesses to upskill and prepare Salesforce architects for the CTA Review Board. They also have a number of other offerings, including coaching and guiding on areas such as soft skills, consulting, and design training. Flow Republic are some of the brightest minds in the Salesforce ecosystem and have a proven track record of developing Salesforce professionals and helping architects to reach their goal of becoming a CTA. To find out more about the value they can add, please check out flowrepublic.com. But hey, listen, I, I have a question for you around value because, I mean, I see crazy salaries coming up in the market. Like, do you think that is something sustainable? Um <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm not all for people earning lots of money because I am like, I absolutely yeah. want people to yeah. be paid, um, you know, handsomely and, and everyone to, to, you know, be comfortable and, and absolutely everything like that. I think the, the problem we have is at some point, the rise of the Salesforce salaries and, and rates and things, it will become a, a talking point where companies will be like, well, if we go with Salesforce over, dynamics or another platform what we have to bear in mind is the salaries are 30 percent higher than if we go here so yeah. it's, it's the running costs of the platform that that i yeah. i and and at some point that becomes a, a real issue because if you've got you know salesforce developers asking for you know money not far away from two hundred thousand dollars a year in some cases and then you've got cto's what, what currency is that australian that's dollars, Aussie, US Aussie dollars. dollars. Okay. that's that's a lot of money for someone well, yeah, and I'm I'm not suggesting everyone asks that, but you know, we we get people saying, well, for me to move, it has to be 200k, or um, and and again, yeah. the message I want to be clear is that that isn't the consistent salary we're seeing for Salesforce developers. That that's like that's yeah. a really high expectation. Yeah. But the reason I use that yeah. figure is because recently I saw a um, a job advert for a CTO 
for a, a fintech mm-hmm. company in Sydney. I, I don't know who the company was. I just saw the advert and it was paying like 220 or 2 210 or something mm-hmm. like that, right? So yeah. how how can how can that person then hire Salesforce developers underneath them if they if they ever did need Salesforce developers or yeah. if the if Salesforce was the platform they were using how could they hire developers at 200k yeah. like they they couldn't yeah. right so so th- that's where the problem is if if the salaries are growing at the extent they are mm-hmm. and they're so far ahead now my understanding of some of the other development roles out there it just will get to a point where it's not sustainable. And and I think yeah. the partners are really starting to feel that. Like I've spoken to a number yeah. of consulting partners and and they're like, well, the, the problem we have is if we say no to these salaries, mm-hmm. someone else will mm-hmm. say yes. Yeah, and, of course. and then we lose it's out on like talent. A- so it's like, so at what point does, if everyone says no, is that the only way that we'll mm-hmm. kind of bring down the salaries to a level that is more sustainable? And then also my, my point is, your your salary is a like should align to the value you add, right? So, if yeah. if you're the best developer in the world, then yeah. ask for all the money in the world, right? Like if you're if you're really yeah. a real 10X. top top, yeah, ten x developer, then then you've got every right. But just because Salesforce mm-hmm. salaries have gone up, if you're not a great developer, then you mm-hmm. have no right to be earning the the salary that's you know that is being paid to the best developer because yeah. you don't bring that value. You know, you, you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the skill set. So just by your job title being Salesforce developer doesn't mean that that you should be yeah. positioning yourself as the, the most expensive in the market. And I think yeah. people just need to understand that if you are going for those salaries, then the expectation on you is going to be really high. So Excellent. yeah, that, that's my point. I think it's you need to be able to hit the ground running and deliver value and deliver value in line with that a company is looking for a return on their investment when they're hiring someone into a role. Yeah. And if it, there is no return on investment, then that's when we have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really shocked by those numbers, dude. Wow. I would say on average, like a senior developer is probably earning like 150 to 160 plus super mm-hmm. in, in the market in, in Australia, depending on where you are, right? So that's a, a really good, mm-hmm. solid senior developer, you know, probably comfortable with a bit more than just Apex and probably has a decent amount of JavaScript experience that they've kind of yeah. brought into, might be happy doing some other programming stuff as well, might know a bit about AWS. Um, someone that's that's really solid is going to be earning 150, 160, yeah. but we do get people that say, right, I want 200K. Or mm-hmm. I saw a guy recently that um, he, I got him an offer that was, um, it was, it was $50,000 more than he was earning, right? Mm-hmm. $50,000 more than he was earning. And he turned it down because he got an offer that was, um, I think it was 20K more. So he got an offer that was 70K more than he was earning. Oh. But yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I'm all for people earning well, but there has to be a, a value um, uh, assigned yeah. to that kind of uh, earning. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but you, you brought up an interesting point where you said, hey, do, does everybody have to start saying no in order for the salaries to kind of level in? And in economics, there is a, there is a saying like, rationality of the individual leads to group in, uh, irrationality which kind of means you know it, it makes sense for you as a company to pay that salary because it can contribute to your bottom line but it kind of it starts introducing this vicious cycle of, of salaries going up yeah and i i said hey I, i've done the math so i just kind of looked into 200 000, um australian dollars that if you if you kind of look at the utility over the year, that's 250 working days on average. At least that's what we use in Europe. That's 800 dollars 
per day, per working day throughout the year. And that doesn't even cover uh, like social security expense. If that's a concept you guys have in Australia, uh, like operational expense. That's madness. I mean, how much are, are they charging for a developer in Australia for, for the day, you know? Like a professional services company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is, this is another thing, right? So, so contractors will earn more than that. So like a contractor yeah. to themselves is probably picking up like nine, a good senior um, Salesforce developer is probably picking yeah. up $900 a day, maybe $1,000 yeah. a day. And then, so we will have some partners that come to us and say, right, we're looking for a senior developer. How much is that yeah. going to cost? And, and when I put our margin on top and then I put, we have payroll tax, yeah. um, insurances, things like that they're not then comfortable paying it because yeah. they're like, well, we need to make a margin on yeah. this. So, so yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, what was like, what would, what would a good developer pick up back in the day when you were back uh, doing the hands-on stuff in London? Uh, uh, let me, let me do the math. And it was, wait a second, I was a senior consultant, um, like working as a, as a TA slash senior developer. I made 80,000 pounds in Australian dollars, which was hundred. 45,000 Australian dollars, but keep in mind, you know, like I was, I was senior level, I would be sent to, to some of our key accounts um, to deliver workshops. And so, so that, that was a, that was significant amount of responsibility. Yeah. Um, And you were, you were like a very good, like you were at the top of your game, right? You've gone on to be a CTA like you, and I'm sure you were adding a lot of value at that level. And um, the, yeah, my, my, my issue with some salaries is like, well, my friend earns that. So that's how much I want. Or, well, I yeah, heard this, how much um, this person's earning. Or I saw that the job advert says, you know, $900 a day. So I want 900. But, you know, you've got nowhere near the level of experience yeah. that, that that salary should be earning. So, so yeah, yeah, that's that's the challenge. So we spoke about companies kind of starting to face a challenge to, to really pay for for those kind of salaries. So if I'm if I'm a company that doesn't feel comfortable paying that kind of salary, but is still interested to attract top talent, what do I, what do I need to do uh, to be competitive? It's it's hard. Like like you are going to lose out on a lot of top talent if you can't pay what the market's yeah. paying. I think like people don't realize that they just think, oh, it's. Um... I had someone say to me recently, oh well, COVID, right? Surely there's loads of Salesforce mm-hmm. talent on the market because of COVID. So surely you can mm-hmm. find people easily for us. And I was like, you just, you're so out of sync with the market. Like there are so few yeah. people in Australia in, in certain industries. Yes. But in yeah. the Salesforce world, so few people like yeah. lost jobs because of COVID. And I should say there were some, but, but not like a, a mass number of yeah. people. So people like expecting to be able to pay small salaries are just like not going to get talent. Yeah. So, so you will lose out on a lot of people by not paying market rate. But I think being able to offer interesting projects is always like an in, like people sometimes will take a yep. hit on salary if they're going to learn a lot, and if they're going to be given an environment where they can really thrive and and you know push on mm-hmm. to the next level. So I think um, yeah, I, I think working with people like yourselves um, gives gives companies a competitive edge, yep. um, and and actually being able to say like we actually have had someone that's gone through a training program and achieved this rather than just saying, you know, we've got a CTA training program internally, or um, we're looking to put one in place, or, um, you know, we'll pay, we'll pay for for some training budgets and things like that. I think if you can really clearly articulate what that will look like for that person. And then obviously, the other big one is, um, is flexibility right now, like people don't want to have to travel to the office, or, um, you know, we're seeing some companies hiring 
talent in Sydney from Melbourne and, and looking in Brisbane for talent when, mm. when they can't find people locally. So I think that's that's a bit different as well now. Like people people are, are, are keen for that. But yeah, I think it's all about can you articulate what someone is going to actually work on in your environment? Like what's so yeah. great about working there compared to all of the mm. other companies that are hiring? And it's interesting because so few companies can answer that question. Yeah. And everyone just looks at you blankly like, oh, um, can you tell us what we should say? It's like, well, no, like I can't. <laughs> but you need to be able to sell this business to, to people in front of yeah. you. And yeah. it's, it's pretty much like a sales pitch for your own company, which I think a lot of people are still uncomfortable with when, when it comes to hiring talent. You know, you have to position yourself. Yeah, 100%. But, but let's, let's take this concept of an environment that allows you to thrive apart. What, what could this look like? So uh, an opportunity that enables you to thrive. Yeah, I think really like everyone's different. So every everyone has like thriving for me is different from thriving for you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's actually trying to understand the person and what they're what what mm-hmm. thriving means to them, but mm-hmm. what they actually want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've said all this stuff about earning salaries and and people mm-hmm. people earning too much. And and when I set up Talent Hub, one of my drivers was money like that was one of my, my the factors behind the, the decision to yeah. do that but i've actually evolved and i think like i think being involved in the salesforce ecosystem mm-hmm. and like i've evolved to actually really just enjoying helping people on their journey mm-hmm. and trying to add as much value as i can and and just working with inspirational people really drives me and motivates me so for yeah. me like but one of the things that excite would excite me would be like to be in a startup environment yeah. working on a product um, not yeah. necessarily a Salesforce product, but building a product with really, really smart people where yeah. I can just, you know, work day to day with people that uh, are technology minded, I think, because that now has cu- quite excited me working in this world. Yeah. The idea of building something that everyone in the world could use, right, would be amazing. Or yeah. maybe everyone in the world, I'm, I'm not going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg, but something like that, right, is cool. And, and I feel like going into that environment would really excite me, mm-hmm. but that might not excite someone else who wants to play mm-hmm. it safe and, you know, just needs to, to um, be able to get home to, to feed their family and, and, and yeah. like do that, that side of work. So I think it's really important to actually understand the person in front of you and, and what thriving means, mm-hmm. because thriving could mean always being able to pick up your your children from school and and have that mm. you know that that um that those responsibilities ticked every every single day for yeah. you so yeah i think everyone's different like i'm your personality you know you would thrive in a different way from from me and uh, what what yeah. makes you thrive i i will quote daniel uh, daniel pink and what what a person needs to thrive it comes down to autonomy purpose and mastery so autonomy in a sense of being given the freedom to develop within a framework you know i, I kind of used that term when i was doing consulting and everybody says oh we need to have the opportunity to do what we need no you need to have freedom within a framework like having having clear guidelines but giving you within those guidelines the opportunity to be involved and, and kind of adapt Purpose, okay, why, why, why are we in fact doing that? Making shitloads of money is, is a nice bonus nowadays, but I think a lot of people have, have kind of grown tired of that. <laughs> Nobody will say, I don't want to earn money, you know, but I want to be kind of involved in technology projects. I, I want to help people. That's, that's the kind of purpose that people are looking for because in our postmodern society, um, we're lock, lacking purpose. So we're trying to find it in, in the work that we're doing. And I think it's necessary. And mastery in a sense, to give people 
really the environment that helps them to refine and master their skills that are necessary. And I think here what's important to, to understand is for a developer to, to really master their craft. It's not only about, oh, how many different coding languages can you work in? Uh, how many different concepts do you have? Like, oh, can you, can you develop in, in Lightning? Or are you, are you still kind of stuck in Visual Force? But it's also about what are, what are the skills that make a truly masterful developer? And those are also some of the human skills. It's like communication, it is creative problem solving, uh, it is empathy to an extent also. Yeah, so I think as a company, uh, looking beyond the pure technical definition of a, jo a job role is, is what can contribute to such an environment. It's, I saw a, uh, a post on Twitter. I, I keep reading Twitter, like I said, and I, I saw a post. And it was like a developer, a developer interview is basically seeing how much you agree with what the interviewer believes. And it's uh, it's interesting, right? Because it's like, well, there are so many different ways to code and different approaches and things yeah. like that. But the person that's interviewing you has a, an approach themselves. Yeah. So they're asking you questions and expecting you to answer in the way that they would do it. And it's like, you're just hiring more yeah. people that, that think like you. And then, then like, where does all the creativity go and the freedom and the, you know, the, the ability for people to come in and thrive and, and to, to really, yeah. you know, it's um, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I think that's that, that like, that's probably an issue uh, bigger than just like developers. Right. But um, the yeah. whole interview Absolutely. process. You're looking. You're just looking for people like that are similar to you or think like you. And actually, the people that you really want to hire are probably the ones that don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody is is shouting from the roofs. We are we are diverse, but then it's a bunch of white dudes sitting in a in a room. You know. Yeah. Did you? So when when was the last time you? Because um, you're you're um, obviously you're you're remote right now, right? You you're not um, working from an office right now. Or and and every time I speak to you, you you have um, a certain level of freedom. How do you feel about working in offices? And and because I think uh, you you've probably read read that quote, the CEO of WeWork saying that your um, your most inspired um, employees are the ones that want mm -hmm. to come back into the office, and the ones that aren't inspired mm -hmm. are the ones that want to work mm -hmm. from home. But for me, thriving for me is being able to work from home and like being comfortable in my environment. And because I, I would say I'm quite introverted, and I I just like I just focus so much on my own work. Mm -hmm. So working remotely is good and bad for me. How do, how do you find that? Do you um, have you always been a big because you're you're kind of like a um, a bit of a digital nomad, I guess people would call you in the way you know you run your business from all over the world with people yeah. all over the world, and you you rarely need to be in front of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my friends call me Peter Pan, so, <laughs> uh, so there's a there's there's some truth to that term, and I've in fact rented a co-working space. <laughs> so, yeah. So there there has been some change, yes. But it was necessary for the for the product that I'm currently working on. But anyway, so coming coming to your question, I think you need to, to be really at your best. I think you need to have both options and to tap into either option depending on on what is necessary. I got my fair share of office experience, so to say, in in my career. I think the traditional corporate offices are just there's no space for creativity, so to say, you know, like you have those cubicles, you have like rows, it's loud and noisy. You have those hipster 
office spaces with like beanbags, but it's goddamn noisy because you're cramping so many people in to, <laughs> to kind of make this fly. Also not necessarily my favorite environment, but having the opportunity to take off your noise canceling headphones, which are a necessity, and just walking over to someone and say, like, hey, listen, I, first of all, checking if they're available and if you can interrupt them, but like having the opportunity to reach out to them, getting some external uh, perspective, getting some inspiration is, is definitely important. And, you know, regardless of, of how much I dislike the corporate offices I was working from, I think having the opportunity to sit together with your team in a room and really nailing things out is invaluable. So don't, I don't think it's a, it's a sensible solution to get rid of the office entirely, but having it more as a place to connect yeah, and bring, uh, bring your people together. Because if you look into, into uh, Amazon, Facebook, Google, and so on, they, they're sacking up big office spaces in, in New York and other, in other big cities. Because first of all, office spaces are, are really cheap at the moment. And second of all, they recognize the value of creating those spaces for the teams to come together and to collaborate. So they're, they're renting out more space. They're taking more they're space. Rent- yeah. They're taking out more space. Yeah. It's, it's unexpected, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's interesting because like the press would have you believe otherwise, right? Oh, um, you know, Facebook have said everyone can work from home indefinitely and all this stuff. But yeah, um, but yeah I think what you're, you're, what you're saying is right, is the option. And for, for my company, having that option is it's not like either we have to be all in or all out because um, yeah. because we're so small, you know, there's no real value in having an office sat there if we're not ever yeah. using it. And if, we're only, if there's only two of us, then there's only ever, ever going to be one of us in yeah. the office or two. And if there's one, then there's no point in us having the office. But yeah, I think when you're bigger, then then there is definitely that. But having the option is great because you can always have a few people in there, even if not everyone's in there. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a friend of mine is, in fact, chief designer at, at Microsoft. And I was talking with him and he was like, I really miss that commute. And I was like, what, what is he talking about? You know, so but when I got this, this co-working space here, I kind of realized that because commuting to the office or to the space where you're working. I'm not talking about like putting on your boxer shorts, getting out of bed and, and kind of walking over uh, to your desk. That's not a commute, but having this clear separation. Oh, I'm leaving home. I'm leaving my private space to now enter the professional space. Um, definitely has a has a significant value, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, I've got one question for you before we go. And um, I know sure. obviously... Um, You've had a lot of success with CTAs recently, but what's um, what's new with the the, um, the brand, the business, the um, the products you're working on? Like, what's what's exciting you at the minute? I think I'm excited about our new design. <laughs> it's kind of in the making. I've I've started giving some sneak peeks on on LinkedIn with the CTA announcement of those five people. No, but it's kind of part of a bigger rehaul of of our brand. You know, we kind of started with CTA coaching. Uh, which was my exit from the traditional consulting world. But we, we spoke about this earlier, you know, like when, when you're a senior developer, you, your craft not only consists of how well you can cope, but all of us human skills around it. And that's kind of what I'm focusing on now. You've been part of the communication bootcamp pilot last year. We have taken it certainly to the next, uh, to the next level. It took me a little bit longer than, than I wanted to. Um, but we got the first large GSI in the US, in fact, and rolling into the program and sending pretty much the entire architecture practice to go through um, to go through that kind of program. So that's where, where I'm personally heading. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of 
focusing less on on Salesforce um, and focusing more on on technologists as in the entirety. You know, like uh, AWS, uh, SAP, whatsoever. So it's it's really how can I help people working in technology mastering their craft uh, by focusing on human skills so communication problem solving imagination there's a lot of interesting stuff coming up and i'm super excited about that will we ever see you back on the tools do you think nope <laughs> no i can't no 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 i I've, I've i have done so many projects that i can say it's the it's the same shit, different label you know i like solving technical problems you know but i've personally gotten to a point where i grew tired of all the political navigation aspects, you know, um, I spent too much energy on that, <laughs> and, and even so, I'm now training people to help them navigate those spaces better. I don't really, I don't feel like it's my place anymore. And uh, you know? do you? So when you say you like solving technical, I, I know I said I only had one question for you there, but um, do you get to see them? Like, do you? Um, I obviously you work through and and you're doing the mocks and stuff, but how regularly do you actually get to see a problem that maybe a customer of one of your trainees or like one of your friends, like are you still seeing and helping solve problems just out of, um, out of curiosity and, uh, and yeah. because you, you're still interested? Yeah. I mean, so what, what my kind of exposure is, is I have a couple of friends that I'm still advising uh, on some of their projects, but it's more on a, on a friendship basis. So I'm not getting paid for that. And that's why I wouldn't, call it consulting because I can stand on the sidelines. Um, The the other thing is what what I in fact do is I come up with scenarios and I have to build those scenarios before I can put it in front of someone because if it doesn't work, uh, you can't you can't make it fly. So there's certainly some technical problems that I'm that I'm still tackling that are sometimes even more complex than the stuff that I I have done in my real projects. Um, And I'm working on a product for it's like a micro learning management system to kind of deliver and deploy all the training courses we're we offering so there's still some technical challenges in my life yeah nice nice well yeah. always a pleasure to catch up and thank you for uh, for yeah. asking me the questions this time no of and, course uh, it was good yeah thank enjoyed you it much. thank you cheers thank you for listening to another episode of talent hub talk if you're enjoying the podcast we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review Um, We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible.